Amen. I'd like to welcome you to our Sunday afternoon service, and especially those of you that are joining us by the way of the internet. We thank God for your presence. We pray for you often, and I trust this message will be a, a help to you. And uh, it's, a, it's a continuation here in the book of Lamentations. If you go back to next sun, last Sunday and you can uh, go back to that message, Do You See What I See? And if you'd like to listen to that one first, this is a continuation there of that message. And different message, but still within that same chapter. And uh, the Lord's really burdened my heart in here. And, and I, I thank God for His Word and how it can help us and guide us and direct us in these days. And Lamentations chapter 1, find your place there. Lamentations chapter 1, we'll start reading in verse 18 here in just a few minutes. And uh, But last week, like I said, we preached out of that, that passage there, the same passage in verse 12. And the title again was, Do You See What I See? And we looked at the overwhelming sorrow that Jerusalem felt as a result of the judgment of God upon His people. And thank the Lord that here in America, we've yet to experience the judgment of God on America. And God is ever merciful. And, but we are reaping the consequences of sin. In His mercy, God is trying to draw us back to Himself and thank God for His patience. Thank God for His long-suffering and for His forbearance. And Israel had failed. And when we get to this chapter here, and the reason judgment was brought upon Israel is that Israel had failed to keep the Sabbath for over 490 years. Right at 490. 90 years they, they did not keep the Sabbath and and, uh, and and well we see that God is a patient God he, he could have brought judgment down after the first one but he, he let them go and he would send warning after warning and and, and and seek his people to turn back to him and worship him according to his word but they wouldn't and uh, a few Sundays ago, I was preaching, and our, our older bus children were with us in the afternoon service. And I asked them, I said, how many of you have ever been have seen drugs? And, and we're talking about 10-year-olds and up. And we didn't have the younger children with us, but just the 10-year-olds and up. And, and uh, I asked them, how many of you have ever seen drugs at 10 years old? I've been exposed to drugs, that means. Uh, you know. And the overwhelming majority of the young people that were in here raised their hand. They've already been, they've already seen it. They've already been in the presence of those things. I hope no one under the sound of my voice is using drugs or alcohol, drinking alcohol. And if you are, then you've been deceived. You've deceived yourself into thinking, if you're saved, into thinking that you're okay, that God's okay with your sin. Can I just remind you that if you're saved, you belong to the Lord and He should have control over your life, not some foreign substance. Many could testify that they are not involved in those types of sin. And you ought to thank God that you're not. Salvation will do that. It will keep you from those types of sin. And we thank the Lord for that. But then some of you could say, hey, I was saved out of those things and I don't do them anymore. And we rejoice with you over that as well. So why is our country heading in the direction that it's going? It's because we have failed to learn from what we see. And that's the title of today's message, Learn from What You See. Christians haven't learned 
from what they've seen. Many Christians have seen the awful effects of sin in the lives of unbelievers, yet they tolerate their lifestyle and they even try to incorporate the world's ways and thoughts and music and standards in their religious services. How many, how many so-called churches, quote-unquote churches, have adapted the ways of the world and the world's music, but yet if you look at the, the, the world's music scene, it's in a mess. And, and you, you got drugs and immorality and, and promiscuousness and, 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 I mean, just loose living and, and all that, but yet they, they, they are bringing that in to the church and they're calling it okay because they put the word Christian to it or they'll put some Christian words, uh, some religious words in the lyrics and and, and they'll say, oh, that's, that's, a, that's for the Lord. No, it ain't. God is nowhere near that. He's not even accepting that. We must learn from what we see. We've seen what watered-down messages and tickle-my-ears preaching has done to our congregations. Look at where they're at. We've witnessed what the world's influence has done to those congregations, but yet it's being more and more tolerated by those who once held to the truths of God's Word. You say, well, we don't do that here. Well, good, but are you allowing it in your home? And thank God we, we haven't bowed the knee in those areas. And it's only by the grace of God. But right here's the thing, are you allowed it in your home? You see, the church is made up of homes, and so goes the home, so goes the church. Last week we looked at verse 12 where we hear Jerusalem crying out through the Scriptures and by the prophet Jeremiah, Jerusalem is crying out for us to see and behold and to consider what happens to its people there when they face the judgment of God and the sorrow that was felt as a result of that. And now we come to this next set of verses and we're compelled to do something again. We're compelled to learn. Not just to see, but to learn from what we see. Let's start reading in verse 18. The Lord is righteous, for I have rebelled against His commandment. Here I pray you all people, and boy, underline these words right here. Again, we're, here's the compel right here. Jerusalem's compelling us to do something again. Here I pray you who? All people. All people. And behold, my sorrow, my virgins and my young men are gone into captivity. I called for my lovers, but they deceived me. My priests and my elders gave up the ghost in the city while they sought their meat to relieve their souls. Behold, O Lord, for I am in distress. My bowels are troubled. My heart is turned within me, for I have grievously rebelled. At first there in verse 18, it says, I have rebelled. Then it goes on, it says, For I have grievously rebelled. Abroad the sword bereaveth, at home there is as death. They have heard that I sigh. There is none to comfort me. All mine enemies have heard of my trouble. They are glad that thou hast done it. Thou wilt bring the day that thou hast called, and they shall be like unto me. Let all their wickedness come before thee, and do unto them as thou hast done unto me for all my transgressions. For my sighs are many, and my heart is faint." Here again, Jerusalem is compelling us to do something. It says, here, I pray you, I beg of you, I pray you, please hear all people and behold 
my sorrow. Boy, if you look at Jerusalem today, uh, hey, and, and you see where they are now compared to where they were at one time in their history and they were once close to the Lord. They were close to God. But now they are blinded to the truth of God's Word. And Jerusalem is crying out, learn from what you see. Hey, look at that and learn from what you see. Behold, it says... Look how much further away from the Lord America is uh, than it was just a few hundred years ago or even a, a hundred years ago or fifty years ago. I mean, look how much further away America is from the Lord. Uh, I shared a few weeks ago that how that 70% of Americans, according to, 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 to the research and, and history, 70% of Americans went to church uh, back during World War II, uh, but now under 50% uh, goes to church, uh, under 50%, uh, well under probably, go to church now. Uh, and look how bad things have happened and become uh, with just 20% less people going to church. Let that sink in for a minute. We've gotten this far from 70% to 50, only 50% going to church, and look at what that damage of that 20% less going now has done to our country. Think about how bad it's going to get if those numbers continue to drop over the next few years. Think about how bad it's going to be. If what we see now is a result of 20% less church attendance, and I mean, I'm talking about people being devoted to the Lord and following God's Word, what's it going to be when another 20% decline? If you look at the churches in England, and or the, the ones, you know, there's not many left, but... They used to send out missionaries all over the world. Now, those churches aren't even there. Missionaries are going to England. American churches have sent out many missionaries across the world, but if we don't see a revival soon, we're going to wind up just like England. And missionaries will be coming to America. There's less independent fundamental Baptist evangelists than there's ever been before. There's less churches using the King James Bible than ever before. More churches have closed their doors than ever before. More pastors are thinking about quitting the ministry or have quit the ministry than ever before. More Christian homes have embraced the world's ways and standards than ever before. The Laodicean mentality of I'm good, I'm rich, I'm in need of nothing is prevailing throughout our pews. May the Lord help us to learn from what we see. I've always told my children that the biggest mistake they could ever make is not learn from their mistakes. You know what Jesus told the woman that was caught in adultery? He said, go and sin no more. You better learn from what you see. Hey, I used to get caught in the bed to the bedside of people there and who had overdosed, and almost every time the family had the same story to tell me. The same it wasn't the first time that that person had done that. What happened? They failed to learn from their mistake. A father should be a good example to their children. That's what should be. But as a father, 
There's been many times I failed to be that good example. But right here's the thing. I never quit being an example. Yeah, I may have dropped the ball in a few areas, but I always picked it back up. And I just kept on going and asking the Lord to help me not make that same mistake again. And by that, I'm a good example. Even though I may have dropped the ball, I become a good example of what my children ought to do when they drop the ball. So what does God want us to learn from what we see? Number one, He wants us to learn that no matter what, no matter what, He is righteous. Jerusalem is in ruin. They failed to learn from their mistakes. Uh, The little ones have been killed and the young people have been taken into captivity and the temple has been destroyed uh, and there's only a remnant that is left there. But in verse 18, look what it says. The Lord is righteous. No matter what... The Lord is righteous. And then Jerusalem says, For I have rebelled against His commandment. And then He's pleading, compelling others to hear, I pray you all people, and behold, my sorrow, my virgins, my young men are gone into captivity. You see, the Lord is not the one that failed Jerusalem, but Jerusalem rebelled against His commandment. He did not fail them in being merciful and long-suffering and forbearing and he gave them 490 years to get it right. He didn't fail them by his word either. They got exactly what God said would happen if they did not turn from their wicked ways and if they turned from following the commandments of God. God was righteous. In mercy or in judgment, the Lord is still righteous. Doubters will say, well... If God is love, you know, and if God is merciful, then why does He let such terrible things happen to me and in the world? And, or they'll say things like this, if God is love, then why would He send anyone to hell? Well, the answer is this. He's righteous. And by the way, God doesn't send anyone to hell. Their sin does. Their refusal to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior as the way God provided for them to be saved and have their sins forgiven. You better listen to Jerusalem. Jerusalem says the Lord is righteous. They've just suffered the judgment of God and Jerusalem is weeping and crying and saying, look at my sorrow. But yet in their sorrow, Jerusalem cries out and says, the Lord is righteous. I have rebelled. Jerusalem is crying out for... All people to hear and behold its sorrow. He says, learn from my mistakes. Jerusalem admits that they're the problem. And their problem's not the Lord. It's the people. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death and and, and death is no respecter of persons. It falls on the young people and the old. But that does not change the fact that the Lord is righteous. You see, God made a way for all people to be saved. In Romans 5, 8, it said that God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God made a way for all people to be saved. In Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In John three sixteen, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have 
everlasting life. Uh, you see, the Lord is righteous, uh, and He's never failed His word. The Bible says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. That's the word of God. But he also says in Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hey, God never promised that everyone that, that, that would never have troubles in their life or they would have a trouble for it. God's never promised that. Job was a perfect and upright man that eschewed evil. But even he said, man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. If God didn't spare Job from trouble, who are we to think that we deserve a trouble-free life? But here's the hope that we have. In all the troubles, in all things, that the Lord is righteous. That's our hope. And Jerusalem is pointing us to that same hope. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. You see, God never promised that, he, that we would be delivered here below. But for all those that believe in Him, we have the blessed promise that in heaven... He'll wipe away all tears. That there'll be no more sickness and no more sorrow. And Revelations 21, 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. If Jesus tarries His return, then I promise you everybody in here, we're going to die of something. Something is going to happen to all of us. Uh, some of my family members, their distant family there, uh, they came by. She was in the rehab center here just the other day. In the rehab center, everything seemed well. They came by, did the morning vitals. I mean, everything was just looking good. When they came back a few hours later to do a, another set of vitals, she was passed away. She was dead. There's been many saints who have went to heaven who suffered in this life. I mean, they suffered. Cancer, diseases, accidents. The results of sin has claimed many of life. But thank God, we're just passing through this life. In heaven, there is no curse or anything that defileth. Our hope is not in a better life now. Our hope is not in a better health or wealth now. The righteous Lord said to not love the world. Neither the things that are in the world because, oh, those things are what? They're temporary. Beauty is temporary. Health is temporary. Wealth is temporary. The lust of this life is only temporary. Our youth is only temporary. The Lord said for us not to set our eyes on those things. Jerusalem is crying out to us and saying to all people, saying, learn. Learn from what you hear and see. Learn from my sorrow. Don't waste your life pursuing after all those things that won't last. Abraham told the rich man in hell that he should have thought more of eternity than he did just living day to day. The good life that he lived on earth and the good life 
the good health and the wealth that he had could not buy him one drop of water in hell. And by the way, he didn't change his mind in hell. He was still wanting to just live for the moment. One drop of water. In light of eternity, what was that? You see, you're not going to change your mind in hell. Well, I, oh, if I could just get by, that one little drop of water would just get me by. If I could just get better at this or that, I'll be fine. No, he's still burning in hell today. Through the pages of God's holy word, Jerusalem is crying out to us saying, there is a punishment for sin. Even Jerusalem could not escape it. But here's the good news. Jesus took that punishment for you and me. He gave His life on the cross of Calvary, was buried, and He rose again for our justification. Hey, there's only one way to escape the judgment that is to come for sin. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. But then He offers the only way to escape that. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here in just a few moments, we're going to have a time of invitation and and if you've never been born again, if you've never received the gift of salvation, then Jesus is inviting you to hear, to learn, to see of Him and, and come to Him and be saved. Please don't delay. I'll meet you right here in the altar and have someone show you from the Bible how that you can be saved. Christian, Jerusalem is crying out to you and me, to all people. And it's saying, learn from what you see. It's no time for the Christian to become casual. A casual Christian will soon become a casualty of the devil. It's not time to slack off from serving the Lord. The Bible says, for the night is coming. Look what a drop in over 20% in church attendance has done to our country. If you drop 20% in your devotion to Him... How's that going to affect you? How's it going to affect your family? If you drop 20% less prayers, 20% less meditating on God's law and making His law your delight, 20% less in your witnessing and 20% less in giving of your time, your talents and your treasure, where is that going to leave you? Well, I know one thing, the Lord's still going to be righteous. And verse 18, it says the Lord is righteous. But right here is the problem. We drop 10%, 20%, 1%. We've rebelled against the Lord. Jerusalem says, for I rebelled against His commandment. Here I pray you all people and behold my sorrow. Be careful developing that Laodicean mentality that I'm good, I'm rich, I'm in need of nothing. And just keep living that casual Christian lifestyle. Jerusalem is crying out, hear and learn from what you see. You see, Jerusalem immediately saw the devastation where in its young people. Where are we seeing the devastation today? It's in our youth. If we don't hold the fort, if we don't stand, if, and haven't done all to just keep standing on the Word of God, it won't be long. It won't be long that we're going to be looking over our own devastation. And it ain't going to be on the news. It's going to be a lot closer to that. It's going to be in our homes. And they are not going to be a person to blame. But like Jerusalem, all we'll be able to say is, I rebelled. I dropped the ball. I sinned against a righteous God. 
Will you hear the call today? Will you learn from what you see? God is trying to get us to turn to Him now because there is mercy and forgiveness with the Lord.